what's next in Bitcoin mining? Let's pass it over to Will to moderate this panel. Lou, all right. Well, before we get started, why don't we do some uh, introductions down the line here? We have a, you know, it's the last panel. It's a little bit low energy. We'll, we'll bring it up here. All right. So, Rory, you want to start off? Hey, I'm Rory Murray. I lead market intelligence for Grid, a vertically integrated, sustainably focused Bitcoin miner. I focus on research, strategy, and special projects, and I'm kind of just the Bitcoin man about town. Tom Macero, um, originally a co-founder at Great American Mining. Uh, then I was uh, very blessed to join the team over at Cathedral Bitcoin for a year, and I'm also a co-founder with Marty and Matt at Standard Bitcoin. I'm uh, Jay Bedek. I'm a v- VVP of research at Foundry. Um, I only work on proof of work. I don't know anything about our proof of stake business. Um, I focus, uh, I was a product owner for Foundry USA Pool, and now I focus primarily on Strata V2, uh, Lightning, and just general Bitcoin governor and privacy. Great. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, I think it's mining 2.0. Uh, what's next? Uh, I want to start out with Lightning. Uh, we hear about it all the time. They're always fighting fighting with each other, the other protocols. Um, but what does it mean to miners? Uh, why does it matter to pool operators? Uh, who wants to start out with that? Uh, I can touch from the pool perspective. Um, you know, so uh, Foundry is a very weird pool for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, but one of the neat things that we do, um, and I'm talking about us, not our sister companies. I'm not going to get into any of that. Um, but... <laughs> we we do not want to custody your Bitcoin. So I don't know if anyone in the, in the crowd is is a Foundry uh, pool member, but uh, we we force you to withdraw um, every day. We have a, a threshold uh, for on chain transactions. You're taking your Bitcoin. You're not keeping it with us. I don't want it. Um, so what we're looking at from Lightning perspective is you know that threshold for smaller miners. You might not hit that depending on network difficulty. You know, hey, I had a curtail that day. Whatever. I still don't want your Sats. And so we're looking at Lightning as a way for us to push, you know, the custody risk out of our hands back down to the customer, right? This is Bitcoin, not your, not your keys, not your coin. So, like, don't, don't trust us. So we want to really uh, embody that as best we can. Um, and the other side, too, and this is, like, years from now, and I know we're going to get into this, but, like, you know, in a low to, you know, no um, block subsidy environment, you know, mining is infrastructure and running a node is infrastructure and Lightning uh, infrastructure is being born right now. Um, and so for us, you know, building a, a quality routing node that we can supplement uh, income either for the pool, for our own self-mining operations, um, you know, I think that that's another area that's really important, at least from the pool perspective. And I guess that supplemental income is important for individual miners as well. You know, from the mining side, I think the criticism has been that it can drive down transaction fees, you know, for a number of different reasons, which I think we'll get into a bit. In a bit, I'm totally unconcerned about that. Um, you know, the most important thing from, for us and for everybody in this room, I think, is just driving adoption as much as we possibly can. And then also, I'd like to say that as miners, we got the message years ago, don't mess with the code. So we're not going to mess around with that. But if we're going to if we're going to drive adoption and we're going to and we're going to you know drive efficiencies and we're going to increase uh, the total usable space of the network, we got to find ways to do it that aren't going to mess with the base with the base chain. And so I think Lightning is our is our best opportunity right now. I'm a big fan. Um, you know, there's obviously the efficiencies of of lower transaction fees, kind of for us at at, at that point. But the reality is, it's it's really about you know it, we're no, nobody in this room, and I think the reason you know Jay and I have talked about this is is it's a really unique time in the space because 
we can both compete, but collaborate. And you don't really get that in a lot of other industries right now, because at the end of the day, we're not fighting for market share right now. We're fighting for total market share and growing that total pie. So to me, that's lightning. And to me, that there's, you know, there's the, the technical aspects of why we want to do it as a miner of, of kind of increasing, you know, the increasing the capacity on the network and lowering and lowering the transaction fees. But the reality is we just need more people outside of this room to use lightning. And that's why I think it's important for us. I don't think it's important right now. I think um, I think that there should be more um, emphasis on uh, censorship-resistant tools for miners, privacy tools for miners. Not to say that Lightning can't fulfill some of, uh, I guess, that criteria, but I, I think, like, as uh, um, Michael Tanguma was mentioning yesterday, I'm going to use this phrase a bunch today, but like, you know, we, you know, we always talk about being in a bull market. Well, right now the state is in a bull market. And what does that mean for Bitcoin miners moving forward with a status bull market in full throttle? No, uh, no, no end in sight. And so, um, you know, I, I think of like tools like you know, Paynim or BIP47 options for payouts for pools and, uh, you know, just other ways that just become normalized um, at a pool level. Makes sense. I mean, Rory, you mentioned uh, not messing with the code. I, I don't want to hear anything about a Nashville agreement, right? <laughs> no, okay. no Nashville agreement. Okay, okay, no Nashville agreement. Good. All right. Uh, sw switch topics here a little bit. Um, we heard a little bit about this from a couple other uh, panels today, but uh, part of what's next is uh, what are we going to do with like you know crossover use cases in uh, in Bitcoin mining? Is is that something that's important right now? Or is it just sort of LARPing that we're going to heat our basements or something like that? My basement's really warm right now. Um, but I, you know, Foundry serves industrial, uh, sorry, institutional scale uh, operations primarily. Um, and I'm a little less interested in, you know, the, the, that size operation having other uses. It, it's very much purpose-built uh, function. But for the small to mid guys, you know, I do think, and someone smarter than me earlier in the week said this, you know, Bitcoin mining is about finding a niche and like that's that's how we're going to get your, your operation is going to survive. And so I think there's a lot of neat crossover uses that, uh, you know, could perform that. And and I don't mean any disrespect to the, the big operators because they all differentiate themselves. You know, Riot's a great example with the way that you guys operate. Um, you know, but I do think that the SATs that are coming out of your ASIC are not going to be the only value um, for your business, for, for your, you know, investors. Um, it, 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 it really is going to start to expand out. Um, and yeah, you can take my S9 out of my basement uh, from my cold dead hands. Mining is for the people, right? And this is the part that I just get just so excited about, um, you know, at, at Grid. We're not just a Bitcoin mining company. We think of ourselves as an American infrastructure company. And quite frankly, that was the selling point that got me that got me there in the first place. So, you know, I think there's, uh, and, and I know that proof of stake is a bad word here, and it, and it should be, but it was mentioned yesterday, I think, or two days ago about, um, you know, trying to figure out stable coins and looking out, you know, uh, taking this endogenous technology and trying to hook it up to exogenous sources. And for me, what's really interesting about Bitcoin is we're already doing that. This is an entirely digital technology that's already made its way out into the physical, tangible world. And that's something that's incredibly unique. No other coin is doing that. No other chain is doing that. No other protocol is doing that. And I think people aren't talking about that enough. So, you know, you look at stable coins and they're trying to tie out to the USD or they're trying to tie to gold. They're trying to tie to something else. And, it, you know, the, the Oracle problem and, and, and people and, and centralized and centralized management. Well, this entirely 
digital endogenous technology is working on ancillary, ancillary grid services. It's heating Jay's home. There's commercial real estate applications. There's a whole host of things. What about the panel that was right before us? They're talking about Bitcoin driving, you know, manufacturing in America, American jobs for American people and building a, with American products. And I just get so excited about that because to me, Bitcoin and sound money is an incredibly interesting thing, but proof of work is the philosophical underpinning of why we're here. And proof of work is what's going to make America stronger. It's going to make, make us stronger. And it's going to drive, it's going to drive jobs, manufacturing, and, and real world use cases. And all it is is a is a is a digital ledger that no one can touch or feel. And yet here it is. So I just get really excited about that. One, one of the things that I'm always impressed with when I come to Bitcoin Park is just the diversity in people's backgrounds, and especially in Bitcoin. It never ceases to amaze me. Um, you know, whereas we were in the bar the other night, I think it was after the actual meetup, and there were folks here who just wanted to learn and be more like integrated, who had been into Bitcoin for you know years, but wanted to understand and be into mining more, and um, you know, and they're thinking of ways to like integrate it into their particular, you know, talent stack or where their profession is. And I think as miners, like we should be, you know, when, when it comes to like open sourcing projects, I know Steve at Upstream Data is uh, really big with that. You guys have been awesome in terms of some of the uh, pool level tech, um, I would say like infrastructure that you guys have um, kind of made available to folks. The more of that, that is like championed, this allows for these niches, as you say, to kind of flourish because, and, and, and this is what it's, why it's really important for Bitcoin because it does decentralize things further from that. So if you think of use cases within agriculture, um, you know, now we're starting to see the rise of, of water cooling. Water cooling kind of, um, you know, can un enable some really unique um, opportunities and such. So I just think like when people come up with crazy, weird ideas that you know, for us on a business um, kind of perspective, we're like, that won't scale, you know, don't waste your time. We shouldn't really be that negative with them. We should encourage those things because I think that that would provide a, a real utility to the network. Nice. We haven't talked much, I think, this week about uh, firmware. Um, and as someone who's been outside of the mining industry for, you know, a while and really not paying that close attention for the past five years, I remember 2017, you know, two huge scandals, right? The ASIC boost scandal and the ant bleed scandal. I think it was around 2017. Um, and at the time, for me, that was terrifying. You know, a single manufacturer dominating the market and there are huge security concerns there, major performance concerns there. Where, where do y'all see that going? How important is it to you as individual miners, uh, pool operators? Um, what are we going to see happening there? Yeah, I'll jump in on that. You know, there's a big problem right now with firmware, which is that the entire ethos of this space is don't trust but verify. And we're being locked into a, a trust us but, not, but don't verify model with the manufacturers. And I just don't think that that's sustainable or tenable going forward. So, um, you know, there's a long history of sort of, um, you know, issues with that, 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 that they've pushed to the, the industry. Uh, they've broken trust many, many times. And then they try to lock you into using this firmware without really, you know, saying that it's going to void warranty if you want to switch it, et cetera. 
Um, you know, there's also understanding the con just the history and the context, which is that we are way, way overdue for an upgrade in the firmware. And I think we're going to get into sort of the history. And I think Brandon Bailey did an unbelievable job in talking about the history of Bitcoin mining yesterday. Um, and one of the big things that he talked about was looking at the different um, times that, that the network hit sort of these exponential growths. And so um, Rachel, I'm not going to try to say her last name, Rachel R. from Galaxy, wrote an unbelievable report about um, about firmware and about Shroud and V2 coming out. And basically what it said was that every time that we hit an exponential growth in hash rate, we need a new, we need a change in the protocol that miners are using to talk to the network. And the last time we got one of those was in 2012. So we're now basically two major hash rate uptick cycles behind getting an upgrade in the firmware. And just for context, like, you know, this, it's, it's still, it's like, it's like kid play. So the, the, the protocol that we're using right now, it's unencrypted. You're literally, you're literally sending your text-based password across the network. Um, and there's a bunch of other issues with it that just make it, you know, it's, it's inefficient and a whole, a whole lot of other issues with it. I really encourage everyone to check out this report. I know, I know Jay's going to hit on it, but basically, um, not only have they broken trust, not only are they trying to lock us in, but we're also just from a technology perspective, we're two cycles behind. So I think it's very, very important. Yeah. And I think the other thing there too, so, you know, Stratum V1, um, at a firmware level is baked into all your mining devices. Um, you know, folks like brains who make, amazing firmware uh, when what's minor, please. Um, you know, th that is a whole other game with the firmware side too. So like the manufacturers aren't giving you a lot of options for tuning. Um, and, uh, you know, we we heard from from Drew and Cathedral that they found great success in having the ability to tune their machines. Um, you know, and I think in the last bull, no one, because of all the ASIC financing, um, you know, uh, no one wanted to touch the firmware because it would void the warranty and then you get into all sorts of trouble there. Um, but I think in the coming future, and we'll talk more at length about strategy too, but in, in the coming future, like being able to manage your firmware and tweak it and play with it is going to be really critical, especially for all those niche use cases. You might want to underclock. You might want to be ripping heat, uh, you know, and, and you know, this is an open source movement. So the fact that we don't really get that with one of the foundations of, of, of what Bitcoin is, is frustrating. Lame. Um, <laughs> maybe, I, one thing I, I really like about aftermarket firmware right now is that it serves two functions um, given the, um, the market dynamics, right? Uh, when bull market is in full effect in, you know, you always hear about people overclocking, right? Which is full greed mode, right? You just go. And that's kind of, you know, it's just you, you kind of take it, um, you know, as a grain of salt. That's what everyone wants to do. The mode right now, though, is underclocking. And so in underclocking, it's not greed mode. It's survivability, and it's the ability to extend products um, longer in their, you know, in their shelf life. If you have the ability to own your own rack space, it gives you a sort of superpower because you can essentially, um, you know, stretch out your hash rate um, if you have enough um, rack space to put more machines, even high, you know, like high power, um, you know, machines. You can you can underclock severely. So. And, and then what, what that's happened in the past is, you know, I remember being in some of these mining groups and we would have conversations about when an S9 was going to die. And we, you know, we don't think we know what we were talking about after the halvening, it's going to go and all this stuff. And then Brains comes out with their firmware and it gives Brains like, I mean, it gives S9, sorry, superpowers um, to like kind of withstand multiple years after that. And so if that happened to an S9, 
four years ago, um, what is what 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 are, what's going to happen with the current set of machines that are out there, and maybe even some machines that haven't even come out yet? So you know, when we start thinking of hash rate or application use, like the for aftermarket firmware plays a massive use into that. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest learnings that I've had is I definitely was thinking in that bull market mode is everyone was talking about wanting to how hard can we push these machines? And like, shout out to Drew. He's the first one, I think, him and AJ, I think, are the first ones that have really shown out in the wild that um, there's an entirely different application for this and that it this is about, like you said, it's about survival. But I also think it's about business cases. And I know that you really want to push this, which is that we need to innovate on business cases. We need to innovate on use cases. And like firmware, as unsexy as it sounds, this is going to unlock an entire new ability for us for different people with different machines to approach the market differently, depending on your generation source and your curtailment and your cost of power and where it is and, and all of these things. So I think firmware is as unsexy sexy as it is, it sounds kind of right off the bat. It's really going to drive innovation in, in, in business models. And, uh, and, and just once again, shout out to the people, you know, it's been theoretical, but it's really, really cool to see, quite frankly, unfortunately, the bear drive innovation and that's how it always goes. So that's, that's one of my favorite learnings. Yeah, that's a, a great point. Um, you know, especially around business models, you can kind of see what Brains has been doing for a little while too. Because you know, the uh, you know, we've heard a lot of the pool operators just talk about what a crappy business it is, but yet. Um, because you know you're, you're basically getting your margin shrunk and it's very competitive. But Brains has made a really interesting product because their their firmware that you use is um, pool agnostic. Yes, there's an incentive to use Brains Pool, but they don't care if you point to Foundry. I know a lot of folks who actually use their firmware and point to Foundry or other pools, and so now they've created a use case um, or a utility. Um, that will then further their company around that. And then you know, as far as like there's. You know, basically brains, I always think of brains aftermarket firmware as the iOS um, version for miners. And then some of the others that are out like Vignesh, um, that's more like Android. Um, so if you really want to tune, you want to get like really into things, that's your, you know, that's your option there. So that's kind of how the market sees it. Some people just want it to set it and forget it, do its auto tune and, and go crazy. And then some folks really want to kind of dial in. And so that's kind of the dynamic that's at play right now. What's the state of the manufacturing warranty here of using aftermarket um, firmware? Is it still? Don't do it. <laughs> okay. I'll move I, on. I would say most, if you just follow the incentives real quick, most miners are going to do what they need to do to stay alive. And, you know, the way that the repair market is right now, you can basically have somebody show up at your farm and you know, essentially come and service your machines and they're then getting reimbursed from Bitmain after. So they're incentivized to just kind of take care of things. So unless there's some huge issue, I don't think it's going to become like a, uh, you know, a main sticking point why I would or wouldn't um, turn on firmware. Got it. Stratum V2s mentioned several times here. I wanted to, I saw a few confused faces out there maybe a little bit of an overview of what it is, what the benefits are, why it's taken this long. Um, and uh, I believe I heard a bullish comment before that we were going to get to 40% uh, adoption from miners. How does that happen? What, what are the incentives here? Um, so, you know, Roy touched a little bit about um, Stratum earlier. Um, just very high level. Um, right now, Stratum V1 is great. Props to the gentleman who, who created it. Um, it does it does what it needs to do, um, but it has a couple of flaws. 
Um, as Rory mentioned, it's unencrypted. Um, so when you deal with institutional cl clients and you tell them that the main piece of data going between you and, and, and them is unencrypted, they get really fussy. Rightfully so, to be clear. I uh, come from a cybersecurity background. So, um, you know, it is also in JSON. Um, and again, not to get too technical there, but that's human readable. It's a lot of excess data, a lot of formatting that doesn't need to be there. Um, and then it gives the pools a lot of power, um, which is bad. Um, so, you know, the three, I, I like to talk about strategy two and, and three pillars, right? So it adds end to end encryption, which is good. Um, it removes the JSON messaging and makes it binary. So binary is you know, zeros and ones, it's how computers talk, far more efficient. Um, and those two things alone are worth the price of admission. Um, and the third pillar is something called job negotiation. Um, and we're super proud at Foundry to sponsor uh, for SSO, who's the developer working on that right now. Uh, we have full-time team members as well, also supporting uh, general strategy to development. Uh, but that job negotiation component allows miners to create their own blog templates, submit them to the pool for processing, and then, you know, get paid out just like they do now. So uh, I guess I'll do real quick what block templates are. So right now, mining pools, um, we have like relay networks. So hundreds of Bitcoin nodes trying to get a sense of like what the, the mempool is. Um, so each node has its own mempool. We aggregate that up to a block template creator that produces a block with all the transactions that are currently in the mempool. And we create a block template from that and say to our miners, hash this. So we give them what to hash. They give us work. So they submit something called shares back to the pool and we pay them based on those shares. Um, that's a problem because if, you know, I you know, I don't control the block template creator, but if that person does, you know, get a gun to their head, they could, you know, censor, they could um, be compelled to not include transactions or include transactions that are not in the mempool. Um, so out of band transactions, that's not bad or, or good, but that's something probably for next time. Um, and so that's how Stratum V1 works right now. And that is, you know, there's a lot of criticism that Foundry faces because we are such a big pool. Uh, and with our, our, you know, friends at Ampool, uh, we have the lion's share of the hash rate. And so Ethereum folks will whine and complain that, you know, they control the network and they can do all this. It's not going to get into that. But um, from an optics perspective with Stratum V1, in theory, that is, a, is an attack. So Stratum V2's approach with um, block template creation is you miners, you're going to run your own nodes, you're going to create your own block templates based on what your node sees. Uh, and we just were working on the spec uh, this week. Um, so I just submitted comments to the team around how they want to do it. So right now, it's, the theory is going to be blind. So you're a miner, you create a block template. The only thing I care about is, is that block valid? I don't care what's in it. I don't want to see it. That's a problem for another time. And so right now, that's the way it's being designed. Um, there's more interactive components for miners. So I really desperately uh, encourage you guys, get involved, stratumprotocol.org. Um, look at the spec, read it. You don't have to be an engineer. You guys run operations. Um, you know, how does that flow change impact your business? Because Strata V2 is coming. Um, so it's open source, contribute. Like help, like let's help get it right, um, because there's a lot of you know potential risk there, and I'll stop uh, you know yammering. Let these gentlemen uh, talk about it too. I have some black pill thoughts on it. So yes. first and foremost, I really do believe that it's incredibly important to get Stratum V2 
onto the network. I'm leading the I'm leading our initiative internally to test it out. I've been talking with Jay a lot about trying to figure out, you know, they need to be able to receive it essentially. So I'm pushing this forward both internally and pushing it externally. I, I think it's really important. My view, though, is it's a technology upgrade. It's not a silver bullet to solve all the problems that we say it's going to solve. So there's a couple problems that it says it's going to solve. One, it's a, you know, that what, uh, what they're really pushing is that there's efficiency gains. And at the end of the day, 1% to 3%, yes, it's a tough, tough time. It's a bear market. I could use 1% to 3% extra margin. But at the end of the day, that's not going to take me. That's not going to take us from here to where we want to go with Bitcoin is with 1% to 3% efficiency gains. It's just not going to do it, right? Secondly, it's the job negotiation thing. Okay, that sounds nice. But at the end of the day, if Foundry is a U.S.-based pool and Grid is a U.S.-based miner and Riot is too, then it's not going to solve the problem of compliance if you have uh, if you have job negotiation and all you're doing is you're pushing it onto the miners. Well, so there's a number of reasons. One, you know, we're regulated entities, uh, we're publicly traded. I mean, not us now, but mo- but there are many miners. So you're dealing with a regulatory regime and market pressures and shareholder pressures that are not going to account for that, right? And then secondly, you're telling me that you're going to push that downstream to the pool and you're just going to ignore what we send up. I just don't buy it, right? So it just I just don't think that it's the silver bullet that we need. So do we need to do we need to adopt it? Yes. Is it important? Yes. Is it going to save us money? Yes. Does it help at the margin with decentralization? Because it's like whack. It, it goes from one whack-a-mole to a bunch of whack-a-moles. Yes. But we're still just a bunch of groundhogs sticking our head out of the sand waiting to get hit. So I think we need to do, you know, decentralization is is really, um, it's, it's a spectrum. And it has to do with all the rest of the things that we've talked about as an industry in, in, in the last two days. And Stratum V2 is just not going to solve that. Yeah, I... I'm sorry, Tom. I, I want to hear your thoughts, but you know, I, I agree with Rory on that. I think you know, there's a lot of hype around Stratum V2 for like solving the problem, um, but being deep in the weeds here, the reality is instead of ten pools that are going to get gentlemen with guns showing up, uh, you're going to have you know a thousand miners uh, who are on grid who aren't you know properly managing their network and leaking data everywhere that you can be found, right? Um, so. It is a marginal improvement in that uh, respect. I think um, one of the other interesting things that we found in testing is you get a lot of gains from that binary, but once you add the current job negotiation, like there's latency coming from that, and so like is you know it's kind of like bounces itself out and it's a net zero. Um, but look, it, it it it's it's definitely still needed. Um, I think, and it's nice to have the option for job negotiation, but um, yeah, decentralization is so much more than just the protocol that we're mining on, right? Even with Stratum V1, if Foundry starts censoring blocks, you guys can walk away, right? And you can go to another pool that's behaving properly. Um, So that's still the case with Stratum V2. Um, But yeah, decentralization is hard, really hard. and And like everything in mining, it involves the physical world. So, you know, there's different risks for decentralization if you're on grid or off grid. You know, uh, it's kind of hard to hide multiple megawatts. Um, you know, an S9 miner in a basement is a little bit different, but even then, you can get into some serious funky stuff with that. So, yeah, um, there is no easy way. Um, I'll just have like a simple bit, you know, like a, a mining caveman answer: Stratum V2, good. Um, and then to answer your question on adoption. I think it's really, you know, we have two, you know, groups that we can essentially put pressure on from a market perspective. It's the pools that we do business with. And it seems like the leading pools are, are kind of, you know, um, I would say 
leading in that direction. And so a lot of times when you do see leaders do that, others follow. So kudos to the pools that are doing that. And then all of us here who have market share or have relationships with the mining manufacturers, we, um, you know, we, all of us can have open and direct um, comms. They are, especially now with so much, um, you know, I would say focus in North America, they listen to us. And so talk to your Bitmain rep, talk to your What's Miner rep and ask them to implement that. It's that simple. Okay, last topic here, a um, little bit less technical. Um, demand response, the meme. Are we asking for trouble? Are we setting ourselves up here? Because we're all pitching it. Tom, you don't have any thoughts here, do you? <laughs> so it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive hypocrite here because I, I participate in some sort of demand response. Not exactly what ERCOT is, but there's a curtailment program that I participate in. So, you know, hand raised, hypocrite. But uh, hey, we you're, were. You're being bossed around. Yes, exactly. And so I was, you know, we were sitting at the tables the other night and I was just like, just think of the words, you know, this is like, you know, Marty getting, you know, going cosmic on the, on the podcast and you got and and Mart, Matt's telling him just stop, you know, and, <laughs> but it's like, think about it. The words you're literally entering into a program that says demand response and like they're conditioning miners to essentially do whatever they want. Stop turn off. And we're like, okay, like seals, you know, okay, we'll do whatever we got to do and turn off. And, and so I just feel like, I, I just think it's a dangerous precedent because no, I, to, I, to my knowledge, no other industries are just running into this um, kind of like application with, with these providers, you know, thinking it's a good thing. So maybe you guys have some thoughts on it. Everyone's so sensitive in this space, you know? I just think it's so funny because uh, we were talking about this earlier. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to wear a mask. Well, when's the last time you got to walk into a bank with a mask on? You know, I'm cool with that kind of thing. And that's how I feel about demand response. That's how I feel about these programs. Oh, no, you're going to force me into a program where you pay me a bunch of money when prices go up and I get to get, uh, you know, publicity. I get good publicity, plus it's good for my business, plus I make a ton of money. Oh, no, it sucks so much, you know? <laughs> I just don't care. Like, to me, it's about sustainable businesses. It's about working with with stakeholders. I'm a pragmatist about um, kind of the fact that we that we live, we do live, we live in a society, right? And I am a, I am a, I'm a pragmatist about that. And I do think that at the, at the end of the day, if it was working against our favor, then I would advocate against it. But if you're telling me that I can wear a mask into a bank, and if you're telling me you're going to pay me money when prices are already going up and I'm going to turn off anyways, and I'm just going to kind of, you know, grin and bear it. Yeah, I, you know, um, I think, Miners should have the freedom to engage in that if they want. Um, you know, depending on your situation, you know, and the grid and the regulations there, like it may be in your favor. You want to, you know, cater uh, to to your politicians or what have you. Um, you know, so long as it's not like mandated that you must do this if you're on this grid or whatever. You know, but again, if you're on specific grids, like demand response is like required. Um, which you know, I don't want to get into the power economics there, but like. You know, for me, is as long as you're not being compelled, right? If you're entering into it willingly and you're going in eyes open, you know what's going to happen if you do that. You know, it's, well, that's if you're on the grid, right? Right. Well, you could be off the grid. I was going to say the other you side. You could be behind is, the meter. I'm just saying yeah. it's not that, it's just there's so many different ways to slice it. You know, if you yeah. don't want to play the game, then don't plug into the grid. Fair. 
Yeah. And I think that's where I was thinking is like, if you fall into this worldview that we are fully in a bull market for statism and it's going to get worse, then you could foresee a scenario where that kind of coercion, maybe not forcing, right? But there's a coercion um, as we've just walked out of this last two and a half years of insanity, have we all know very well that that could happen. And if that's the case, um, then like you could see a future where miners, you know, are like, oh man, this is not really great for us to, to be in, to have freedom. And then that's where I could see a scenario where Bitcoin kind of goes Amish uh, or Bitcoin miners go Amish and they go off grid. Um, and then they cre- basically create their, I wouldn't call it their own grids, but they just become independent. They kind of dislodge from society. They go buy their own natural gas wells or, or, or maybe a shuttered coal plants, Steve, um, and all those things. And just say, you know, we're, we're just actually going to like unplug from this because, um, I, I could see it getting aggressive on their end. You heard it here first going Amish, make it a meme. One, one comment too. I, I think it's interesting back in, you know, the block size wars, it was kind of determined that, you know, the miners are the servants of the network, right? It's, you know, that that was how that happened. I, I just you, your comment there like resonated with that and brought that up in my head. Because um, yeah, we do often get the short end of the stick. Um, and again, at the at that time, the large miners, the large pools were bad actors. Like full stop. We talked about you know ASIC boost and stuff like that. Like um, I think you know, and Rory, you mentioned we've learned our lesson um, as miners as a community. I think and even the folks who who were at that time, but you know. You, you only get my trust once kind of thing. So I just think it's interesting that that parallel where, um, you know, why do we keep getting the short end of the stick, Tom? You just have to, you have to own the stack. So um, I think like once we control our own destiny, um, you know, as we get closer and closer to hyper Bitcoinization, Bitcoin ultimate, like that's why I was using that term Amish because um, you're seeing a, there's a there's a uh, like a term that's being floated around right now in kind of like the tech spaces that are more of like freedom spaces like parallel economy. So it's not Bitcoin isn't against the state. It's like its own like it just wants to run parallel or it's made to run parallel with the existing world. And I think you know there's because a lot of us are like. Uh, grafted into the kind of the status side of things right now, it's just like, oh, how do we build things that integrate that make that life better? But I think once we start getting kind of more attacked, especially from the miners side of things, or just making it harder for us, then I think those like parallel um, rails will start to get built. And that's when I think uh, Bitcoin will really flourish in those scenarios. I just want to answer your question. Why are we getting the short end of the stick? It's because we're winning. It's because we're winning. If we were irrelevant, we'd be irrelevant. And so I think that's why we're seeing that. So just, you know, just always remember that the pushback that we're getting is because we're we're significant, we're important, and we're making progress. Toxic positivity. <laughs> real quick, we are going to close up. We're going to get the final thoughts real quick. But again, a huge round of applause for these guys. Then we're going to get Final thoughts for you guys. Where's the swagger? You know, that's my final thought is I really want to challenge the room to think about where you are and what you're doing and who we're doing this with, right? This is a special moment. This is the depth of a bear market and you're here. This is 
Coltrane and Davis. This is Fitzgerald and Hemingway, right? This is McCartney and Lennon. We're trying to push each other forward right now in what I think is the most consequential subculture that America has seen since the Jazz Age. And I think we need to hold our chin up and we need to stop walking like we've gotten our... Like we've gotten our, you know, our, our, our faces pushed in the last year, which we have, and understand that this is still the most interesting technology, sound money, proof of work philosophy. We are changing the world and we need to look, act, and, and talk like it and take that forward and take that out of this room. So where is the fucking swagger? That team teed up what I was going to say perfectly because uh, I think, you know, what tends to happen in, 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 in like groups like this is there tends to be a little group think. And I, when I got into Bitcoin, there was a lot of, if you, especially if you get into Bitcoin during a bear market, you can tend to hear uh, some original thinking and, and some of the, like how I grew as a Bitcoiner was like in 2016, 2017, I heard a lot of original thinking that would get challenged by other Bitcoiners. So I would just encourage you, especially new, new folks, don't be, af- don't be afraid to have original thinking uh, and, 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 and just develop your own theses. And how, and, and how amazing is it that we have this facility and people like Rod and Matt that have allowed this to, to happen. So I'm just so thankful. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, echoing the thoughts here, like this is a weird and fun time. Um, and I think anyone in this room would be bored doing anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bitcoin mining specifically is a, the weirdest part of a weird niche industry uh, in the world. Like we are all like, all of our friends probably like these people are, are, are nuts. But, you know, that that's also a bonding experience. And I think, you know, touching on what Rory said before, like, most of us are in competition, you know, for those 900 uh, blocks a day, or sorry, 900 Bitcoin a day, 900 blocks, geez. Um, you know, uh, but at the same time, like, it, it is a cultural thing as well. It is a movement. And I think it's, you know, back to what Roy said, like, proof of work is the foundation of it. And it's not just for Bitcoin. It's for, you know, everything that we do, you know, out there, you know, capturing stranded, you know, that gas, like, that takes work. Um, the other final thought is, you know, keep your coins off exchanges and your name out of databases. And thank you so much, Rod and, and Matt and thank volunteers you guys. here. Like, this was an this awesome, is special. This awesome place is event. Special. Awesome event.